0: What is up, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every single day, as always, I'm your host Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. All Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at jtGatlin. The show, of course, at Locked On Rockets, as well as at Apollo Hou. And joining us today, great friend of the show. Been meaning to have him back on for a little while, but things have just been a little hectic. But I'm so happy to be able to ta- talk hoops with a a, a, a familiar voice, uh, a great Rockets mind, Anthony Ducket of Space City Scoop. Anthony, how are you doing? my friend.
1: I'm doing good, man. How about you?
0: I would be doing better if the Rockets weren't Uh, in an 0-13 slide, but Uh that's just where things are at right now, unfortunately, for this uh, organization, for this team. But that's what we're here to talk about today. We're going to talk about some of the ways that we'd maybe like to see this franchise either shift gears and remain competitive for this season or shift gears and kind of gear themselves up towards the future of this franchise. And I guess that's as good a place to start as any, Anthony, is I want you to have a, a chance to kind of, uh, air out your thoughts and you know because we've been we've had arguments on this very podcast both for tanking against tanking you know remaining competitive um and i want to know where is your head at as far as this Rockets team and how you'd like to see them play out the rest of the season do you want them to bottom out do you want them to maybe try and uh you know get back into that competitive drive after the all-star break where's your head at
1: well, I mean, for the sake of being a fan and being a proud Houstonian, you know, i love to see some competitive games. Um, so it, it, my initial take was, no, nah, let's compete. But then you start thinking, and it's like, I mean, is it possible to compete and still tank? I mean, it is. You have enough injuries. It's kind of become like an organic tanking. You know, the Rockets, I, I'm convinced they've been trying to play the last, you know, 13 games. They fought back in some games, and I see some fight in the fourth quarter. But it's still, I mean, they're not anywhere close to winning most of those games. So in my opinion, and then you think about it, it's like, on one hand, you'd say, well, if you tank, you only have like a 52% chance of getting your draft pick. So is it really worth it? Strong enough odds? You know, on the flip side, though, it's like, what are you actually playing for? I mean, yeah, it sounds great to be competitive. But what does that mean? Does that mean a play-in tournament? Okay, great. If you make, if you make the playoffs and you're playing against the top seed, do you have a chance in that <laughs> series? No, so I mean it's like you know it sounds good to be competitive and see some fight and hustle which we have seen that but at the same token the season's halfway over you're you, you know you're second to last in the west the only team worse than you is Minnesota which is gonna probably stay the same um it's like you're not really you're not really gonna benefit there's no benefit from let's go out and, and fight and you know try to make the play in the tournament first of all like I said you're not gonna have a shot in the postseason series if you make the postseason. And then secondly, your draft pick that you would get is going to be much, much worse, you know, than, than it would otherwise be. So my thoughts are that, again, I'm all for competitiveness, and I'm not saying that, the, you know, these guys are professionals. You don't make it to the pros without being, you know, very competitive, prideful. But at the same token, you're not really benefiting by winning the last half of the season. So – my thoughts are I would rather – and then on, t- on top of that, we don't know how our team's going to look after the trade deadline. You're going to have some trades. You know, you don't know what players you're going to bring in. If you bring in additional players, we've heard the Rockets prefer players over picks. You know, it takes time to mesh, takes time to gel, what would be healthy. And that's another component of it is, you know, if if Christian would – I'm all about preserving that guy's health, right? Um, if us, you know, being competitive – is going to have any kind of effect or impact on his health, his ankle, anything like that, I'd say it's just not worth it. You know, let's just, again, you know, fight a little bit. Whatever we've been seeing the last, you know, 13 games, they are trying, but at the same token, you're not, you know, you're not getting anything close to winning these games. A lot of them are 20-point loss, double-digit losses. But on top of that, you don't really gain anything by trying to win these games
0: that that's more or less kind of the same line of thinking that i originally found myself on before i fully bought into the dark side and the full-blown tanking side of things because i i illustrated just like you did with the terminology of saying an organic tank because it's not like they're they're actively going out there trying to lose games they are going out there trying to win they just are at such a talent deficit with the injuries with the inconsistency in the lineups uh, just so much adversity that this team is faced with right now and then you know they catch themselves in this um Kind of this crossroads where they've got you know the the mix of veterans who probably don't really want to be here you know hashtag <laughs> guys who who want to be here mantra yeah. from John Wall but they've got the mix of veterans who would probably rather be act- actually competing for a chip elsewhere they've got the young guys who would would love to be getting consistent minutes on a nightly basis but they're dealing with you know having these veteran guys who are stuck playing in front of them because of some you know, out of some level of respect from Coach Silas or just because the team actively, you know, doesn't actually want to be losing these games. There's a lot of stuff going on with this team. And like, like you pointed out uh, a couple times in there, I struggle to see where the benefit is now from salvaging the season. You know, originally when we saw them on that six-game winning streak, when things were starting to look up, when they looked like a number one defense in the league— there was a reasonable expectation that that team had they remained healthy um that team could have been somewhere in the you know 6 to 8 range of the playoffs and i still legitimately believe that that had they stayed healthy and been able to continue to mesh the offense probably would have started started to look a little bit better and they could have conceivably become a, you know, lower-seeded playoff threat and, and actually made a push this season and, you know, had, had a good run of it, right? Be kind of that underdog story in the playoffs. But we're so far removed from that now that I just don't see the reasoning to really push for that, or you know, to push the envelope for that outcome this season. And I think you bring up an excellent point, Anthony, about, uh, about Christian Wood's health, right? Is, you know, is running Christian Wood into the ground, you know, 36. 38, 40 minutes a night, trying to grind away and trying to make it to the play in tournament. Is that worth it? Or is it better to play things a little bit safer? Yes. He still needs to get starters, level minutes and starter reps and plenty of burn in the second half of the season so that he can get accustomed to being the number one guy, accustomed to that high usage role that he's going to be uh, fulfilling for the Rockets for at least the next, you know, two and a half years, reasonably, Uh, hopefully longer than that. Knock on wood, pun fully intended. Um, But, you know, you're right. I don't want to see him get injured again. I don't want to see him, you know, re-aggravate that ankle injury. I don't want to see him get stuck with another injury. I'd like to see the Rockets, you know, focus on his health and well-being moving forward and then, again, cultivating kind of that youth aspect, uh, you know, getting a lot more, a lot younger, letting the young guys get a chance in the rotation and it kind of sounds like that's the direction that this team is heading with Kevin Porter Jr. and K.J. Martin reportedly joining the team uh, after the G League bubble is complete, Uh, so that'll be great to see them uh, see K.J. Martin back in a Rockets jersey, see K.P in a Rockets jersey for the first time but uh we 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 did this podcast. We're doing this podcast to address some of the trades because we are three weeks as we're recording this on Thursday evening. We are exactly three weeks away from the NBA trade deadline of March 25th, and so we are going to be discussing trades that you have come up with on Twitter. We're also going to address uh, some hypothetical scenarios that have also been prevalent on Twitter over the last you know 24 to 48 hours, and we're going to get there in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And hey, speaking of full swing, MLB is right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. Head over to their website and use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcasts. Now, continuing our conversation with Space City Scoops' Anthony Duckett. you actually kind of brought this up the other day on Twitter so I want to address this and a couple other topics before we dive into uh, our, our Twitter trade suggestions and maybe we'll even uh, pitch a couple of our own ideas uh, in the third segment but you suggested the idea of you know, or brought up the idea of selling high On John Wall, and I want to kind of give you a chance to elaborate on that. Did you have any specific trades in mind, or is it just because of how well he's played this season? Do you see his value kind of at an all-time high right now, and you're thinking maybe it would be the right move for the Rockets to try and and find a partner for him this deadline? Where's your head at regarding that?
1: So my thoughts were, I always thought coming into this season that you know, obviously it had been two years since Wall had been, you know, on the court, but I always thought that it was going to take him, you know, this for, this season, I did not expect him to be at a hundred percent first year back from being away from so long, then a the leg injuries, a guy who's, you know, so much game based on athleticism, quickness, things of that nature. So I didn't expect him to, I didn't expect much, I should say from him this year. My thought was always that it would probably take at least, I guess the end of the season, depending on if we got lucky or possibly even next year's trade deadline to be able to trade him. But what we see from John Wall this year, he's actually played really well. Uh, obviously he's not a great three point shooter, but it's shot decent for, I guess what we should expect from him. We see him attacking, driving to the rim. He still has the same athleticism, speed, quickness, burst, all of that. He's still fighting and all these games, you know, he's competitive. Um, and I just started to think to myself, what would be the difference in trading him now? If if you're in the camp of let's trade him. And I know there are some that say, let's keep him around, right? I get that. Um, KPJ wall and wood or whoever we get in the draft, you know, I understand that that that, that could be a good straight, a really strong nucleus, but at the same token, if we acquired him to, you know, pull a CP3 OKC last year, get his value up and then flip him, then, I feel like he's pretty much done enough so far to do that. What's the difference in trading him now versus trading him at the end of the season? What we've seen from him so far this year, he's been pretty good. He's played well. So I, I don't think that asking price changes much from now to the end of the year. But from a salary standpoint, his contract's bloated. We know that. Um, but that's going to be the case regardless. It, it's not going to be any easier from a contract standpoint to trade for him or trade him in you know, three, four months than it is now. So – the, uh, the logic, I guess it depends on what you can get for him, um, what he actually wants to do as well. Maybe he feels like he wants to continue. He, he's taking on the role of a vocal leader, right? Um, maybe he wants to continue to get his value up through the rest of the season. And frankly, on a team that's probably going to be tanking, that would be really good for him, to get his numbers up, things of that nature. But at the same time, if that happens, is it going to be more desirable in four months than he is now? Because – he played well the first half of the season, frankly. So what difference does that make to trade him now or later? I guess that's kind of my logic is I didn't expect him to, to play as well so quickly into the season and considering that there are some teams now, again, the salaries don't make it tough, you know, depending on what team we're talking about. I think the Clippers would be great with John Wall, but don't know who they would trade, you know, to get him um, the South, sal- you know, The value that John Wall could bring to a contending team or a team that thinks that they're ready to contend, I think is, I mean, cannot be understated. But at the same token, I guess it depends on what what he wants and what the Rockets want to do more importantly.
0: You know, I think there's a really interesting you bring up the Clippers as one of those contenders that could absolutely use John Wall's services now. the issue there is is matching the salaries that's that's the toughest part there is john Wall does have that bloated contract but you look around the league and of the available elite guards in the league or specifically elite point guards in the league maybe kyle lowry could potentially be on that trade block um i still think that he is probably i'm more so in the camp of i think he's going to retire a raptor um really? i think that he's he's done so much for that franchise and uh, the other day when the Rockets were playing them, uh, you heard Matt Bullard and Craig Ackerman, I believe, talking about it, saying that uh, he is arguably the best Raptor in franchise history. And so when you've got your best player in franchise history, like you would hope that the Raptors, you know, do right by him and, you know, sign him to a contract where he gets to, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset as a Raptor, uh, rather than the, uh, Pat Riley, Dwayne Raid route where he had to go, uh, elsewhere to get paid, uh, and then, you know, circle back back to retire. I mean, that just, you know, that the way that Pat Riley handled that situation kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and I, I, hope that especially the Raptors, especially how they, uh, shipped out DeMar DeRozan to, acquire Kawhi Leonard to make that championship push. Hopefully yeah. they would do right by at least one of the, uh, the trash bros, the original nickname duo for those guys. But uh, <laughs> legitimately like past Kyle Lowry, I think John Wall is the best available guard on the market. Uh, you know, the the point guard spot, depending on what the Raptors do with him. And I think that yeah. the Celtics are actually a really interesting landing spot potentially for John Wall. Yeah. Um, Cause they would be able to get, out from under the Kimball Walker deal. Um, because that would be, that would have to be the contract matching spot, is the is the issue. Is you'd have to include right. Kimball Walker to absorb the the just gigantic bloated contract of John Wall. But then they've yep. got a mix of some of those, you know, younger, interesting guys. They've got Aaron Naismith, uh, they've got you know Grant Williams, uh, they've got uh Simi Ojale, Carson Edwards. There, there's a there's a handful of guys who could be really, really interesting as like sweeteners in that deal. And then depending on if Ainge is willing to throw in, you know, a draft pick or two, you know, maybe a first couple seconds or something to that effect, um, then maybe it becomes one of those situations where you are effectively able to flip John Wall into something more. Now, because of the Kimball Walker deal and how bloated that contract is, um, I feel like the uh, the return for wall would have to be much greater than just that one draft pick and like one promising young player, but that's at least yeah. a workable permutation of a John wall trade. Now, yeah. uh, another one that has been floated around the Twitter sphere. And I think you and I have deferring opinions on this one. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, uh,
1: well, well hold on. I want to oh, go sure, on, sure, t- sure. On, on, on the Kimba for wall swap. Yeah, for so, sure. Talking to uh, Nathan Fogg, who I love by the way, um, about Nathan's incredible. The, He's awesome. Yeah. Man, he's he's amazing. So I was talking to him a little bit last night about uh, Kimba for uh, John Wall swap. And the thing is, the to me, the big holdup would be the draft pick. Danny Ainge is not the kind of GM that throws around draft picks. He's very uh, stringent on draft picks, very stingy with his draft picks. I just don't think that for the Celtics to make a move of Kimba and a draft pick or two, along with some young players, they have to believe that John Wall would really take them over the top. And I just don't know if they believe that that he will be worth them giving up those draft picks because that's not Ainge's MO at all.
0: You're, and you're absolutely right on that. You know, he he definitely likes to sit there and hoard his assets, but I will counter one more before uh, just, uh, and I feel like this is a great little rabbit hole we found ourselves in. How many times now has Ainge kind of, gotten a little too greedy or you know not given up the not not been willing to give up you know a, a pick or two or whatever in a trade and lost out because of that think about you know the fact that he lost Kyrie uh for for nothing think about the fact that he lost Gordon Hayward uh for you know essentially he could have had the 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 Miles Turner package and and had to yeah. settle with the Hayward situation so he's gotten greedy multiple times and so i think maybe there's an argument to be made that he might be at this point where he's messed up a few different opportunities. Now been a little too greedy and maybe he could view this, you know, if the rockets are kind of perusing the John wall trade market, um, maybe he would view this as an opportunity to finally unload some of those picks and really make more of an, an all in move because you look at what John wall has been able to provide the rockets this year. And offensively, I feel like he's a comparable talent to Kimba Walker Um, based on what he's done this year in a Rockets jersey. But defensively, he's such a huge upgrade at that guard spot. And that would really... Launched the Celtics from, you know, kind of fringe contender in the East um, to that upper echelon where the the 76ers, the Nets, and the Bucks kind of find themselves at the top of that Eastern Conference. Uh, and they need something. They need a change of scenery because right now they're kind of, you know, in this awkward spot where they've had a bit of a rough start to the season. So maybe John Wall could be that, that added push uh, to really get over that hump. And the crazy thing is, if I told you that Kimba Walker and John Wall were the same age, would you have believed me? I would not have. <laughs> Kimba for some reason, I perpetually think Kimba Walker's like super young. Like I think he's yeah. still like 25 and he's 30. And John Wall's also thirty, so it's like they're not. It's because not even Kim like they're getting. has that baby
1: face. He has a baby face. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give
0: you that. Yeah. So it's not even like they're getting like substantially older. They're swapping two guys that are the same age, and yeah. in the Rockets' case, they're taking on another a bad contract, and so ideally they'd be taking on the future draft assets and and you know maybe one or two young players in return to do that and to give the Celtics you know reasonably a better third option for them and a better fit at that third option spot behind Tatum and Jalen Brown to really make a push. Uh, in the Eastern Conference. So uh, I think that was a, a – I appreciate the uh, the back and forth there, Anthony. I feel like we really uh, tackled that topic well, but we've got to talk about this, uh, this uh-huh. Montrezl Harrell p- potential trade, Montrezl Harrell for P.J. Tucker. And I want to do that in just a quick moment after we get in a message from our friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet Package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try bluechew free when you use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping and handling. That's bluechew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast and final segment here at Locked on Rockets your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball chatting with Space City Scoops site editor site expert Anthony Duckett Anthony we we hammered out the John Wall situation and kind of talked about it high and low about you know potentially selling high on him from the Rockets angle uh Let's talk about this rumor that neither one of us know where it even origin, like, originally started, but it really like picked up steam on Twitter, and it's this idea of swapping PJ Tucker or trading PJ Tucker for Montrez Harrell, and I, I know where I stand on this, but I want to let you take first crack at this. How do you feel about that proposed uh, trade scenario?
1: Well, the first question I have is, so I'm not sure. Do the Lakers, are they able to trade their draft picks? Are they able to send out draft picks in the next few years? That is a good question. I
0: don't actually believe they have any to move because of the whole Anthony Davis deal. Um, Let me see what their draft capital looks like right now. So let's see where their draft picks are at. They don't have the ability. They do not. It it, it appears that they are... Yeah, because I mean they've got they've got the outgoing picks uh from the eight Anthony Davis deal. Yeah, so I mean they they're they're not able to send picks for at least a couple years um further down the line. I, I think that they could can they send out their twenty they could send out one of their twenty twenty-six I think they can send their twenty twenty-six pick.
1: Yeah. Okay, so so basically reason why I asked that question is because Montrez Harrell, he signed a very team friendly deal with the Lakers with a, basically a one year player option, which we all know if he's traded, he's going to exercise in the player option, opt out and get paid in the offseason, Right. So to me, if you're going to trade for Montrez Harrell knowing that he's probably not going to be here after the season, you have to have something else that makes it worth it to do. Right. So getting a first-round draft pick would be great, but the Lakers would have to they have to send out – find a player to send out to get a first-round pick, first round pick, at least, to send to us. And I just don't know that, A, they're going to do all that if they're losing Harrell, and, B, I don't know that they have the pieces to trade for a first-round pick. I mean, I guess maybe you say Horton Tucker, but, again, I don't know if someone's going to get a first-round pick for him. So if it comes down to a straight swap of Harrell for Tucker – I mean, I don't really see the value of that, especially if he knows he's going to leave here. Now, if you can somehow get a commitment or, you know, uh, I'm not sure how that would even be possible. But if if I have believe if you have belief that he's going to be here longer than just the end of this season, then, yeah, I say, OK, go for it. But from the Lakers standpoint, that to me would make them go backwards. I mean, you're placing Montrez Harrell, who's obviously not nearly a defender, that pj tucker is even even in, in a diminished role tucker's not the same defender that he was two years ago um assuming that he's not uh harold obviously brings a lot more energy a lot more hustle right his offensive game is not even anything close i mean he's leaps and bounds better than, than pj i just think that harold can do more for the lakers team now i've seen a lot of lakers fans on twitter especially especially ever since this thing went viral today saying that well harold's not you know he's not a great defender and he doesn't play well in the playoffs so I mean, if you believe that the Lakers believe that, then I guess from their standpoint it makes sense. But in my opinion, it's not really a trade that really is logical for either side.
0: It's definitely I I I push back on that to an extent because like I, I side a little bit I guess with the. Uh, the camp of, the, of Lakers fans, which makes me feel dirty to say, um, mm-hmm. siding with Lakers fans. But I, I can see why, you know, a contending team like the Lakers would be would place more value in a P.J. Tucker than they would a Montrezl Harrell, especially when you get to the postseason because Montrezl Harrell is a little bit, I don't want to say redundant to have out there, but, you know, the Lakers were at their, at their best and they were the most elite when they were running AD at the five spot. And so... When you run AD at the five, and you get the, you get the, the the five out spacing, you get you know you open up the floor for him and LeBron to do whatever they want to do out there. That's when they're at their deadliest offensively. And if you have Montrez Harrell out there clogging things up because he doesn't have that outside game, then I feel like it kind of gums things up a little bit for them offensively. Then you get into the issues defensively. You know he's he's not yeah. the defender that PJ Tucker is. So if you Man. have PJ Tucker as an option out there to you know maybe he's not closing out games. for, Them, But, you know, he gives them another guy who can defend positions, you know, at least two through five consistently well. Occasionally, you know, he can maybe guard uh, some of the ones in the league. He has lost a little bit of a step, unfortunately. Um, But I can kind of see from a Lakers angle why P.J. Tucker makes a little bit more sense for them, at least for this next, you know, postseason run. Because that's the mode that the Lakers are in, is they're consistently... um, in that same win-now mode that the Rockets have been in for the last, you know, handful of seasons where they're just constantly focused on just this next postseason. Nothing else matters. The the long-term future doesn't matter. They're trying to be as competitive as they can in the here and the now. And I think... Arguably, between Montrez, Harrell, and P.J. Tucker, I think P.J. Tucker is a better fit in the here and now for what this Lakers team needs once they get to the postseason. Montrez is definitely probably a better regular season contributor, and he's great to roll out there to have that energy, that fire, that intensity on a nightly basis, sure, um, to have you know somebody who you can you know rely on to uh, you know get you those offensive putbacks, get you some easy buckets down low uh, throughout the regular season. But in the playoffs, you know those non-shooters, players like that, uh, who have glaring weaknesses in their game, uh, become liabilities. And especially if his defense can't hold up, then it becomes an even bigger issue. Uh, but that's been an interesting. One. I don't I don't like it for the Rockets. Uh, you know I and. As much as I'd like to see Taylor Horton Tucker in a Rockets jersey, he's also only got this one year left on his deal. And so, like, what do the the Rockets do after that? You know, I'd like to see them get back a future asset. Like you mentioned, you know, a first-round draft pick would be uh, amazing. At this point, I don't know if that's realistic to get back for P.J. Tucker. Uh, But, and then if you can't get a first-round draft pick back or, or some type of draft compensation... Uh, because that's, you know, the best liquid asset in the NBA, then getting back a young player on at least a rookie deal to where you have a little bit of club control over them for at yeah. least, at least I would say, two seasons. Because, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker, he'd be great, but he'd be a half-season rental before yeah. you have to decide, are you paying him? You know, what are you doing with him? And it's possible that another team really likes what they've seen out of him, and they throw some money at him this summer, and so then essentially, you lose P.J. Tucker for nothing, and that's not what we want to see the Rockets do, yeah. what Whatsoever. We want to see them get a little bit of value back out of the P.J. Tucker situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. The, uh, the Lakers, the Lakers moves That's got some complications. Um, there are some other interesting rumors or at least reports as it pertains to Tucker. I saw the Utah Jazz had interest in P.J. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on that? What they could offer?
0: <sighs> I mean, as far as the the other offers that are floating around out there, obviously the, the Utah Jazz is an interesting one. I need to pull up their, their roster to be 100% sure because I don't want to miss a name. Uh, so give me two seconds here because no I am scrolling. I mean, you got to so carry I mean, the show for a minute.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, from my standpoint, the reason why I was intrigued by that is because I don't see what they can offer. I mean, they'd have to give up Royce O'Neal, which would not be worth it for them. Um, or they could include several of the young guys that they have, you know, uh, Yang um, and several other other young guys they have. Also, not sure that that would be worth it for them. Um, or they could include favors, which I, I guess favors would probably be the most reasonable or most practical for them. But from the Rockets, do I want Derek Favors? You know, I'm, I'm not sure that I do. I thought it was really interesting that they had interest in PJ because, like I said, I don't really see that happening or why they would feel they have a need for him i mean i I scroll through jazz twitter every now and then (laughs) why Uh, (laughs) why on
0: god's green earth would you ever actively go out of your way to just go through the murky territory that is jazz twitter well more so lately ever
1: since i've seen the uh, the whole tucker rumors um and some some jazz fans have some interesting thoughts i've even seen some speculate that they should try to get rid of ingles um, to bring in PJ, I'm like, hey, if that's the case, I'd be down for that. Uh I don't again, that definitely makes the Jazz go backwards. Um, but again, in my opinion, the Jazz, they don't really have a shot at getting a PJ without making themselves considerably weaker. So for that reason, I don't really see that being something that, that happens. Um, I think that the Rockets will probably get the most gain in a PJ trade if they package Ola Depot. Um obviously that Bring it brings up a whole different conversation. Is you know what's the market for Oladipo? Um, what are the teams that you know could possibly want both? Uh, or what kind of player salary could you bring back if you sent them? You know, in a three-team trade where Tucker went one place, Oladipo went somewhere else. You know, there's a lot of scenarios that exist when it comes to PJ and the Rockets. I think what benefits the Rockets from just not just PJ but Oladipo standpoint as well is that the Rockets are probably going to be the one of the few sellers. On the market, um, Oladipo especially is possibly the best two-way player that's going to be available now. Um, Tucker has, his again, his, his game's not quite the same as it was in the first guy here, but he still has value. Uh, so I feel like, you know, the market right now, with it being pretty barren, pretty dry as far as what players, you know, are out there for teams to kind of pluck at, um, I think that that benefits the Rockets a lot
0: you know and you bring up from just to circle back to that that initial question that you had for me as far as the jazz are concerned they're one of the few teams that it feels like are in complete control over their draft capital for you know the 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 foreseeable future so they're a team that conceivably with how well they're playing right now how well they're meshing um i could maybe see them being willing to give up you know to one of their uh, first round draft pick, seeing as how it'd be a very late first round draft pick, at least this season, especially um, with how well they're playing. But, uh, I, or I take that back, they don't have their first round draft pick this year. My apologies. Um, so, but maybe a first round draft pick from the Jazz because they're kind of uh, running on all cylinders and playing some really elite basketball, and uh, reasonably, you'd expect them to continue to, you know play this way for at least the next season or two. Uh, so maybe they'd be willing to take a flyer on PJ Tucker uh, and give up a, a late first for him. But I want to, I want to, before we run out of time here uh, and, and my channel coordinators start yelling at me about taking forever on these shows um, because, Hey, I'm supposed to, these are supposed to be 30 minute shows, but I'm, I never do a 30 minute show because I like uh-huh. talking about Rockets basketball. Um, yeah. So I, Anthony, I want to dive into some of these, these uh, Twitter trades. Is that cool with you? Yeah, yeah let's do it. All right. So, this first one that we've got is from at Shy Silver 3. Um it's two versions of Eric Gordon trades and so we'll we'll throw some we'll give some uh some letter grades to these and some reasonings as to why or why we don't like them. So first trade uh is a Rockets Blazers trade. Uh Eric Gordon and a 2021 second round pick uh via Houston and then uh Portland would be sending out Rodney Hood, Nasir Little and Harry Giles. All right, how do you feel about that one Anthony?
1: So I saw that trade. Um, I don't know that – I'm not sure. I haven't seen the contract of Rodney Hood. What, what are the terms of his deal?
0: Ooh, I have to pull that up on – I want to say he's only got one year left. Or No, they just they just re-signed him to a deal, I feel like. So he's probably got a couple years left on that. Let me see. Let me see okay, what
1: the so, role is. Let's see. I think, I think I got it pulled up. So, okay. So he's got one – He's got one more year left. Looks like next season, I think, is a, uh, I think it's a player option, maybe. Uh, looks no, like it, a...
0: it, look, it looks like it's just a non-guaranteed season for 2021-2022. Okay.
1: okay, so then I guess in that case, you could be getting rid of his salary. I guess the the, the main bulk of that trade is you're bringing back Giles and Little. Who, who do we give up again? Gordon and who else? Gordon and just a second-round pick. Um, uh, that, that, that's actually pretty good value. I, I, I probably give that, uh, a minus.
0: All right. I'm going to go, I like it. And I like that Rodney Hood is kind of one, one area that we struggled with for so long. It was, you know, in all these years of trying to figure out how the Rockets were going to make that next move is it, it felt like they never had any of those mid tier salaries to be able to kind of, uh, Put together to to make uh, the, a proper trade move to you know Im- improve at the margins. I suppose I can't say improve at the margins, but um, you know packaging guys together for years. PJ Tucker was like that one like mid tier salary that they had, um, and so I-, I like that Rodney Hood's floating around that ten million dollar a year mark. I feel like you could uh, you know reasonably. Combine that or utilize that elsewhere uh, in a trade for another kind of mid tier salary type guy uh, further down the line. So I like that. And I like Little. I like Giles. Um, I don't know if necessarily Portland would be all in on this deal, um, but from a Rockets angle, I like it. I'd give it a B. And the other Eric Gordon trade that we have from Shy Silver Three uh, is Eric Gordon by himself to Memphis for Gorgie Dieng and Desmond Bain. Um I don't think Memphis says yes to this. I think they they hang up the phone
1: like immediately. <laughs> yeah, I mean that they will be giving up uh considerably more than they will be bringing back, especially on an expiring deal. Also have to figure that you know there's not going to be much of a chance that Tucker would would re up there. Um so in that case they'd be giving away young assets for basically the rest of the season for PJ. Memphis, are they is he going to is them adding him going to really make them you know, that much more contenders. I don't really think so. Um, So I'm with you. I don't really think that's a deal that makes sense.
0: All right, let's go to our next one from at Squad 231 Oladipo and Tucker for Nanji and Michael Porter Jr. So first hmm. off, I have to edit this one just ever so slightly because that doesn't work from a salary cap salary, perspective. Yeah. Um, so we can Harris. modify this slightly. Yeah. Throw Harris in there. I mean, I feel do you ever just wonder if like maybe like Gary Harris jumps on Twitter and he's just like scrolling <laughs> through and he's like why am I just included as like, like I wonder if players <laughs> who are just stuck on crappy deals for like teams and they just know that they're on like a bad con- like like think to like Ryan Anderson for all those years that he was just he was the trade fodder in every deal that the Rockets came up with it was like oh well what move are the Rockets gonna make okay just go ahead and pencil in Ryan Anderson for 20 million dollars of salary filler and like (laughs) I've got to wonder if those NBA players ever like Look at those trades, and they're just like, "Damn, like this, this sucks." Like, <laughs>
1: well, um, if anyone did, it would definitely be Gary Harris.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's for sure, based on how this season has gone. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll edit this for you, Tune Squad. We're gonna throw Gary Harris in there. Um, so we'll make the new, uh, uh, re- you know, edited trade: Oladipo, Tucker for Nanji, Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Harris. Go, Anthony. What do you think?
1: So I like that trade a lot. Obviously, you know, Michael Porter Jr., uh, young franchise cornerstone, the Rockets, really didn't get that in the Harden trade in particular. I know a spinoff essentially from that trade, Kevin Porter Jr. But, yeah, I mean, if we could get Michael Porter Jr. back, I obviously don't like getting taken on Gary Harris. But if if it takes that for us to get back, MP, I mean, MPJ is probably going to be the best player we could get back in a trade for Oladipo. Um, If it takes giving up Oladipo and Tucker, you know, I think this is a win-win. Obviously, Denver has to get better. They have to go all in. At the was the Western Conference Finals last year, they've had a pretty slow and sluggish start this season. Um, so, I mean, from their standpoint, it makes sense. The Rockies would get their young, you know, again, franchise uh, cornerstone. I think this is a, a A+.
0: I like it a lot, and I think it's I, – I, I struggle with – and this is the area that I, I find myself constantly, you know, backed into this corner where – I don't necessarily think that the Nuggets have to go all in this year, and that's that's where that's the main argument that I find myself sort of falling back to is, you know, teams you know pointing at the fact that the Nuggets had a lot of success last year. Yes, that's great, but they're also look their franchise cornerstone, Jokic. He's only 26, right? He's got time. Like he's going in, he's barely entering his like prime now. Now the the flip side of that argument is. The NBA is very fickle, right? You can be on top of the world one moment and then things can come crashing down the next. So you need to capitalize when you can. So... You know, I see both sides of the argument of, oh, they should go all in now. They they can't bank on Michael Porter Jr. panning out and turning into, you know, their their third star player behind uh, behind Murray and Jokic. They need uh, somebody who can be that guy for them right now and who can shore up their perimeter defense. And hey, Victor Oladipo has that written all over him as a great, you know, third option type guy. He'll he'll help their point of attack defense. Uh, it just it would be a Incredible fit for them. And then on top of that, you get another veteran in PJ Tucker who can uh, be that veteran presence, knows exactly what he, you know, knows his role well, would fit in seamlessly uh, in their system, all of the above. So I give the trade an A minus. Um, I just, I really do struggle with the idea of Denver being so easily willing to part with Michael Porter Jr. just because he hasn't blossomed quite just yet. Um, but well, at the mean, same, me, yeah. It's, well, I mean, I mean, not, I mean, not, not not to cut you off. Um, no, you know I mean, what, Anthony? I'm offended. Damn it! This is my <laughs> pot. No, go, go ahead, man. You,
1: <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, I mean, the counter to that is that I mean, late in games, we don't even see you know plays designed for MPJ. You know, we don't really. It, it seems like he hasn't been involved in the game plan. I mean, if the games are over. We hear uh, Michael Malone bashing him. All oh, we would have won the game, or we. You know, he had one job or whatever the case, and he has gotta make that play. You know, it seems like they don't they're not they, they have not shown this year that they really value him as much as you would expect. So in that case, it's like if they if they're not really getting him involved in, in the offensive game plan, you know, they don't really value him, then it makes sense in my opinion for them to make a trade. and I I
0: see that. And I and I and again, there's there's different angles to approach it from. And I think that's at, at, at the core of when I look at these trades, especially when, you know, I think it's so important to try and put yourself in the other team's shoes, you know, to try and separate your Rockets' biases and think, okay, why uh, why would this other team want to make that trade? And I think that, Conceivably, a Victor Oladipo deal, especially if you're bringing in PJ Tucker as well, makes a lot of sense for the Nuggets. And based on you know your argument as well about how you know where Michael Malone is at with uh, Michael Porter Jr. and how he isn't being factored into some of those late-game decisions, um, you know, it, it does seem like it would probably be for the betterment of the Nuggets franchise and and definitely help them more so in the here and now, uh, while potentially taking away. Yeah. From their overall ceiling a little bit further down the line. Now uh, let's let's get a couple more of these in here before we round this thing out because yeah. uh, I've given up all pretenses of having this be a thirty minute podcast. We're going <laughs> we're going fifty deep definitely. I want um, that. <laughs> so, no, it's cool, man. We're we're just we're <laughs> at, at the end of the day. It's because we're having fun. We're talking rockets basketball. We're talking trade scenarios. We're gonna find ourselves in some rabbit holes. That's how this thing happens. Um. So let's go from at kid kid dog. Um, would really like for us to move P.J. for Justice Winslow and a second. Uh, so take a flyer on an injury-prone guy uh, or get Bulbul for P.J. Tucker. And he follows it up by, by uh, saying, I want to get young players with high potential. Um, so in, in quick succession, how do you feel about those two separate trades, Anthony?
1: Well, I'm not very high on Bulbul. And I don't really know why, why I'm not. I'm just um, – hmm. I'm just not as high on – I know he's like become like a fan favorite. I'm just not really high on on Bull Bull. Um, Granny's on a rookie deal. You know, the Rockets are going to need a big when the season's over. So there could be value for him in a role here. Um, I'm just not really a big, big fan. Now, Winslow is interesting. I haven't really seen his numbers uh, from this season of what he's doing or how, how he's playing um in Memphis uh I mean once a young player I guess I'm not really a fan of either of those deals but I understand the argument and the logic behind let's get some younger guys guys who are you know maybe have not reached their ceiling yet maybe who are still you know blossoming um blooming out so I understand the logic just personally I'm not high on either one of those guys I'm not a huge fan of either. deal. I
0: wouldn't mind the Winslow one. Um, I don't have his contract pulled up in front of me. So like, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those like from tune squad earlier, right? Like I knew off the top of my head that uh, Nanji and MPJ were not enough for Oladipo and Tucker, but I don't know Winslow's contract off the top of my head. I don't know how that would look, uh, whether the, You know the the Grizzlies would be absorbing PJ Tucker. Whether the Winslow contract actually works for trading straight up for PJ Tucker.
1: So so, so it looks like he's making 13 million this season and 13 million next
0: season. Ooh. Okay. Um. In that case, I don't even know about all that. Um. I mean. He gives them – that would be another, like, kind of mid-tier salary type deal. um, Let me take it back.
1: Let me take it back. There's a club option, looks like, for next year. Club option.
0: Okay. All right. That makes it – so club control, that kind of helps a little bit. Um, I don't know. I kind of – you know, I'm going to go, like, C-plus on both of those Like because I I understand where the logic and the reasoning comes from, just like yourself, Anthony, you know, wanting to get younger, wanting to, you know, kind of take some flyers. Um, But at the same time, there's a world where letting P.J. Tucker just walk for nothing – isn't the end of the world. I still firmly believe that the Rockets are going to get something of value back for him. But taking a flyer on a guy like Justice Winslow, especially at that dollar amount uh, on that level of contract, um, it just doesn't seem like the smartest decision for me. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, you know, if if you were asking me if I was gonna buy or sell that trade, I would, I would sell that. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to take part in that one. Um, but let's go, let's go one more here to round things out. Um, let's see. Come on, I know we've got it. Oh, let's go. Let's go with a good one from our from our good buddy Lashard Binkley. Um, let's go. He suggests Collins, Collins Snell, yeah. and Dunn for Oladipo and House. How are you feeling about that one?
1: So that's a deal that I, I would do. Um, mm. I guess the question would be, how does Atlanta feel about Oladipo? I thought that there was friction between him and McMillan in Indiana. Or maybe there wasn't. I just know that he wasn't happy there. I don't know exactly why he wasn't happy there. But, uh, I mean, yeah, if we can get that trade, I'd say let's do it. I like Collins. Uh, you got to pay him, granted, obviously. Uh, but for the asking price of House and the depot, I think that that makes sense for Atlanta. Um, and it also makes sense for us personally. So I was give it an A-plus on my side. What do you think about that trade? I honestly think it's
0: an A-plus an trade as well, which makes it the first trade that we've both graded at the same level. Um, I honestly think that from a Rockets perspective, I think they'd honestly still have to give up even a little bit more. Um, I, I think they'd have to throw in potentially a draft pick uh, you know, in that trade because at the end of the day, John Collins is a guy who, even though the, the Hawks are probably not going to want to pay him this summer, Um, He's a guy that if if the Hawks are going to play ball with anybody at the trade deadline, it's very similar to the Rockets playing ball with anybody with Victor Oladipo, where you make the argument, well, why would anybody trade for Victor Oladipo when they could outright sign him this summer? It's because, hey— you then have control over him. You have his bird rights. You have the you you have a, a a leg up on the competition. Same deal for John Collins. Is you know yeah the Rockets could potentially just let Victor Oladipo and PJ Tucker expire and throw money at John Collins this summer without having to you know burn any assets for him, or they could just trade for him now and then be the be the team with a leg up on the contract negotiations this summer in the first place. So I think there's just. You know, I think the 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 Hawks are going to be understanding in that regard uh, as they're entertaining any potential John Collins trades, and are going to want back something of value past Victor Oladipo, um, even though they're getting two rotation guys in Victor Oladipo and Daniel House Jr. Um, I feel like they'd still have to throw in maybe a draft pick to uh kind of grease the wheels a little bit on that trade. But I like it. I think the idea of a Jay Sean Tate, John Collins front court, or Jay Sean Tate, John Collins, and Christian Wood, Christian Wood yeah. front court. Uh, how could I forget Christian Wood's name? I'm just i I'm just a casual. Um <laughs> how how could I forget his his name and all of this? But yeah, a front court of those three guys for the foreseeable future for the Rockets, and then you know, KPJ potentially panning out to hit some of his potential, that would be a really exciting team for the coming uh you know years for the this uh, Rockets
1: team. Well, the question I have for you is, so you mentioned having to include a draft pick, maybe on a rocket side. I mean, if you had to do that, would you still do the trade? I think I would. Um,
0: now it would, I, you know, depending on which draft pick we're including, like, are we yeah. including the Milwaukee pick? Are we including one of the Brooklyn Nets picks? Uh, you know, I, depending on which pick is going out, um, are they asking for one of the Rockets picks that the, one of the few picks that the Rockets still have? Like, I mean, which pick are they asking for? I guess it, it becomes kind of some of the nuance. And that's the crazy thing with all these hypothetical trade scenarios and whatnot that we hash out is, you know, we've, uh, the, the pick scenario gets really murky because then you can go so many different ways with picks yeah. and then the pick protections and all this stuff. But ultimately if the asking price was just a general, you've got to throw in a first, somewhere right i would absolutely do it because i think john collins is easily that talented and gives the rockets a really dynamic front court moving forward
1: yeah for sure yeah again to me if we have to include a draft pick i'd say let's do it um because i mean not only collins upside not only what he brings in the court uh, so young um that to me if you compare him christian wood like you said. I think that would be great for the Rockets, but especially for the asking price of House, who has one year left on his deal, been up and down, especially this season, um, and Old Depot, who you know you're going to lose or get rid of. I would say, anyways.
0: All right, and I'll tell you what, we've got one more here that I, I want to throw out just because it looks a little, it looks kind of interesting. So I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, which means we might be going for the mythical hour-long show. Um, (laughs) So this is from, uh, it was suggested by at Don Knock, who tagged somebody else to throw in their trade idea. So at Trey K. Line. Um, So the trade is a three-team deal involving the Rockets, Celtics, and Nuggets. And that's why I I thought this was interesting. I like this permutation. So the Rockets walk away with Michael Porter Jr., Bull Bull, and Gary Harris. The Celtics walk away with Victor Oladipo, And then the Nuggets walk away with Daniel House Jr., Aaron Naismith, Eric Gordon, uh, two first-rounders from the Rockets, the Portland first-rounder and the Milwaukee first-rounder, a first-rounder from the Celtics, and then the other first-rounder from the Detroit Pistons. So three first-rounders from the Rockets and a first from the Celtics for the Nuggets. How do you feel about this one, Anthony?
1: So I saw that trade uh I just think that's so much to give up I, as we we discussed obviously about michael Porter jr um when I, I'm high on him but I mean it, in that trade we had to give up it was Gordon I think it was he said two first round picks uh three, three and, first round picks
0: from the reverse the, por- the Portland the Milwaukee and the Detroit pick
1: yeah I mean three first round picks and Eric Gordon. For Michael Porter Jr., I think is a bit much.
0: Um, again, I, I love his game. Can you put but, some respect on Bulbul's name, please, sir? I mean, it's not just him. <laughs> no, I I, I I hear you where you're going. It's, it's a lot of draft capital.
1: Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, that that that's three first-round picks for Porter Jr. You lose Gordon as well, um, which I'm not opposed to losing Gordon. But I just think that getting all that up is just too much.
0: Yeah, it, it is a lot. Um and again, it gets so it gets so interesting when you break into these these three team permutations, and then not only that, you're giving up all that, and you're also taking back the Gary Harris deal, you're giving up Victor Oladipo as well. Um The Celtics are walking out like... I think think that Trey K. line is like a a sleeper cell for the Celtics because the Celtics (laughs) make off like freaking bandits here. I mean, they're getting Victor Oladipo for Aaron Naismith and a first-round draft pick. Like, that's... You know what? I'm going to go... After this podcast, I'm going to go digging through his timeline and make sure he's not like a sleeper cell for the Boston Celtics (laughs) uh, because that is is hilarious. But, uh, Anthony, it has been an absolute pleasure going through these trade scenarios with you, talking Rockets hoops with you. I always love when we get to sit down and uh, talk on... On these podcasts uh, go ahead and let everybody know where to track you down at
1: yeah you can find me on twitter at a underscore duckett um, that's d-u-c-k-e-t-t uh, also as you mentioned you know I'm a site expert for Space City Scoop so uh, check us out
0: all right as always Anthony really appreciate you taking the time to come hang out and talk Rockets Hoops
1: likewise always enjoy
0: All right, for today's episode, hopefully you enjoyed our visit from site expert from Space City Scoop, Anthony Duckett. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.